0: bless you. So good to see you this morning. God bless you. Has it been hot enough for everybody? Do we need to turn the heat up a little more outside? Me and Dwayne were talking when I come in. I think when you're older, you're just a little bit more sensitive to it or something. I don't. My granddaddy never had an air conditioner. It seemed like they did fine. I don't think I could make it without it. <laughs> God bless the man that invented it, or woman, or whoever. Amen? Today I want to uh, entitle this, and it's really just kind of linking in, staying in the in the flow of the vein of what I was talking about last Sunday. And uh, I want to talk to you about forgiveness, uh, healing, and reconciliation. And those are all different things, and when I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm not talking about... Uh, necessarily here this morning about God's forgiveness, we we we've talked about that a great deal. But I'm talking about between each other. I'm talking about that, uh, not the vertical forgiveness, but the horizontal between one another. It's probably the toughest thing that you have to deal with as a person, just as a human. And uh, and sometimes some of us have been just uh, been raised in and around uh, the church. Uh, we've had these uh, rules uh, that are not in Scripture imposed on us about uh, forgiveness. Uh, sometimes I have referred to forgiveness uh, by many spiritual abusers has been weaponized, uh, the term, and where people are forced into situations and things that are totally not uh, biblical, much less uh, they're, they're not even common sense, and yet somehow they have been imposed upon a lot in the church where they have misunderstood some things in scripture and they continually now even still apply some things that are not meant to be applied uh right now. And so uh you know so you know everybody in here uh I want to let you be seated Every, everybody in here has been hurt by someone right? Uh and and I don't know how you won't get loud on this one but we've all hurt someone. We ourselves have Whether we did it intentionally, unintentionally, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, we've done that. And uh, wouldn't it be great if our brains was like a hard drive in a computer? And we could just go and go on and hit delete, and we could eliminate all the memories uh, where we've been hurt. And where we've been uh, wounded, uh, uh, you know, and, and some of those things are really tough. And if you're a uh, human like me, you probably still have some open files on some people. Um, and I, I don't mean that you're carrying unforgiveness. Possibly uh, you are. Uh, and, uh, and, and we've had some, some things that's been thrown on us that's, that's really hard, you know. Uh, if you let hurt just stay in there, though, it's got a tendency to grow. Uh, it festers and and those those hurts can can grow into resentment, even hatred uh, for the for the person or the persons who who either hurt us or they at least had some part in our pain. And if you want to see what movies are really popular in our culture, particularly American culture is movies where the bad guy gets it. Uh, you know where revenge is the order of the day somebody did wrong, uh, they seemingly, uh, got away with it and then we send Liam Neeson after him and he calls him on the phone and says I will kill you and we go go get him," you know and we love movies like that where the bad guys get it and the good guys win and vengeance and uh retribution is the order of the day and it started way back with uh Wyatt Earp and the okay corral and uh it continued on till we got to the Hatfields and the McCoys, and it hadn't stopped yet, right? Uh, an unforgiving spirit uh, poisons every relationship that we have. And not only does it poison the relationships, it really poisons every area of our life. You've heard people say, probably, uh, it's, a, it's a popular saying, I guess, that, you know, uh, holding a grudge or unforgiveness against someone is like uh, drinking poison that you drink the poison and you expect the other person to die from it. Uh, and, and that's just not that's just not the case. And and, and again I'm not saying this is easy. Um, y'all sure have gotten mighty quiet since I'm talking about this. So we must have a lot of work to do. The Holy Spirit do does. Now Peter struggled with this even in scripture. I won't turn there but in Matthew 18 Jesus starts talking to them, really, about relationships with people and so forth. And then uh, Peter comes up to Jesus and asks him, he said, Lord, you know, how often do I have to forgive my brother, you know, that sins against me? Seven times. And so Peter was seemingly a guy, you know, wants to have, he wants to know where the cutoff point is. Uh, He wants to know what is the limit, you know. And so, of course, we know, remember Jesus' famous response, he says 70 times 7 and what he's saying is that's not 490 times and after, you know, they've hurt you 490 times, that 491st time, boy, you can have Adam. That's not what Jesus is saying, right? But Jesus is simply emphasizing that there's no limit to the forgiveness. And so then we read things that kind of confuse us sometimes. It's like in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which carries through several chapters beginning in Matthew 5, and going all the way through uh, chapter 7 and beyond, uh, a long sermon. And in that sermon, his inaugural address, Jesus uh, makes makes this statement, and he's preaching to the Jews in Matthew 6, 14, and he says, For if, and when he does if, that makes it conditional, right? He says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Next verse, verse 15, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, Jesus said that, and if you got one of those King James Bibles that's got the words of Christ in red, it's red letters. And, and so some people and some preachers and some churches are still propagating that as a word for today, and they make it as a rule, and they lock you into that, and they tell you that if you don't forgive people, then God doesn't forgive you. They tell husbands that's having spats with their wife, and they use a verse, and I won't go there, that, you know, God doesn't hear your prayers, sir, because you're... A jerk, and God doesn't listen to jerks when they pray, and so you're a bad husband, so you're cut off uh, from communication with God, and then they make that poor guy feel like you know he's he's out. Uh, and then here you are struggling because you've got some people that, if you like me, they, there's some people that has really, really done some damage to me. and I mean far more than just emotionally. I mean financially and all kind of ways where uh, pe- people have hurt me, have wounded me. And I do, I I won't even say I do okay, but I do better when you just hurt me. But when you hurt, when your hurt affects my wife and my children and my grandchildren, I'm not even sure I'm good and saved in that area. I'm trying to get there. Y'all know what I mean, right? I'm just trying to make a point. Of course I'm saved, but just not in that area. No. <clears throat> and some of the, the times that I have uh, showed out the worst that I, I'm glad you don't have the videos of those moments has been when people have, it was perceived by me to hurt my uh, children. And, uh, man, I can really go to town uh, on that. And, and and then it's always the same with me. After, you know, uh, after that, then I, I played a video for myself, and I'm really not proud of myself at all I mean one time when when my kids were small and and uh I don't know how I how was Austin you know the you know, story I want to tell but when, that, when the bus how old was he huh maybe nine or ten years old anyway the point the bus driver put you know my little son there he fell asleep on the bus the bus driver went on by the house and where we lived then they was uh, right beyond our house was a pretty you know uh, dangerous curve people drove pretty fast and he turned on the dirt road and realized that he had, you know, not dropped him off. And so instead of just circling and dropping other kids and coming back and dropping him off, he just put him out right there on the dirt road and told him to walk home. Well, that'd been okay if he was 16 or something. I might could have dealt with it, but not nine. And not crossing that road and all that. And, and uh, when, when I got home from work that day, whew, uh, Jill told me that. And I, I, uh, I didn't speak in tongues, but I did speak. <laughs> but I called that bus driver and, 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 uh, and talked to him real good. And then he listened to it until he hung up on me. And then, uh, which I had told him, I'm going to be, I'll be there in the morning at the principal's office. And, and I was. And he was, which was a bad mix. So they had to get him out of that office because of you know. And, and I'm just saying I won't go into all that. But you know I'm like, why you put my kid off? You know you you put his life in danger crossing that road. You know like that. him. He said, well it was you know it wasn't dangerous. You know he was blah blah whatever. And the, and I said, why don't you just back the bus, bus up? You know. He said it was too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they had to get him out of the room because I was going closer towards where he was at that moment. And, I, and, I, and I'm sorry I responded in that, reacted really uh, in that way. And, and it's hard to forgive people that have hurt you and wounded, and that's just a real minor one, really, to, to some things that, that I've struggled with. And um, so Jesus said, if you don't I mean, what is Jesus doing here? Is he making forgiveness conditional? And is that still in force? Well, G- Jesus was preaching the law to those that were under the law. And so why was Jesus preaching the law? He was preaching because the Pharisees had watered down the law and they had diluted his power uh, because the law was never given to, 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 to man by God because God thought man could live up to that standard. It was, that was not the purpose, and the, and the Bible says that clearly in Romans. Uh, uh, Galatians 3.24 says it was given to break our pride and it was given to reveal our need uh, for a savior, but they had watered it down and, and, and self-righteous men and, and, but Jesus said a lot of things in his sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, uh, that your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, or you will not enter the kingdom. That that blew their minds. The Pharisees and the sadducees they were considered the most religious, most disciplined, you know, people that, and they were on the planet at that time. And Jesus said, you got to go beyond what they're doing. And it blew their mind. Jesus, the last verse of Matthew Matthew 5, listen to this. Jesus said, and you've heard me preach on this, Jesus said you've got to be perfect. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect. See how quiet it gets when I say that? Because we've all been grown up and and we just say, ah, nobody's perfect, brother. But see, God, and and I hope you've learned that here, God don't grade on a curve. Seventies not passing. Even 80's not passing. 99 is not passing with God. To, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. Now, w- w- if I preach that, people just they, they just go, they don't know what to say. Well, that's what Jesus said man. in, in Matthew 5. He's, the last verse of that chapter, he says, Be ye perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. He said, Be perfect, and then he set the standard of the perfection. You've got to be as perfect as God. Now, how many preachers do you hear preaching that? You you, you don't hear them preaching that. Did Jesus not mean that? Yes, he meant that. And then, if you keep reading into the New Testament, you'll see after the cross that the Bible says that that God has perfected us. We we have been perfected. Where? In, In our outward performance and how we. No, no, in our spirit. God is the Father of men's spirits made perfect, it says in another place. Hebrews said, He has perfected us forever. God did that, it's a gift. And, but Jesus said a a lot of things in there. And, and, but when you hear, I've got to be perfect. When you hear that your righteousness must exceed the righteous of the Pharisees, when you hear that your forgiveness under the law is conditional upon what you do, then what that does is go, I'm in trouble, man, I need some help. Then when, at that moment that you come to that conclusion, then I want to tell you, you're closer to freedom than any Pharisee and any other religious person that's alive and well today. You are close to the kingdom of God at that moment. When you realize that you you cannot do it, you you need a a Savior. And so Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus was preaching the law to those that were born under the law. And that's who he was sent to. And and what Jesus did is he polished the mirror. The the, The law is perfect and good and holy and righteous, but it has no power to make you perfect, good, holy, and righteous. It simply points out your faults and failures and your error. In hopes that you will look in that mirror and you will look into the mirror of the law and you will see your need for a savior. And that you cannot save yourself. You cannot live up to any kind of outward rules, regulations, and standard whereby you will save yourself, be your own savior, and perfect yourself and make your own self-righteous and achieve holiness at some point that God would thereby accept. It's just ridiculous. And that's why we're called, it's called grace because it is, it is free to us. Can somebody say amen? And so that's the whole point. That's why we named the church Grace Point, because that's the point. Grace is not a teaching. It's not a theology. It's not a philosophy. It's it's not a doctrine. It's, It's a person, and his name is Jesus. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And he appeared to us full of grace and truth. And you can't separate grace and truth no more than you can separate wet from water. They go together. And so, some people talk about, well, we got, you know, you yeah, have grace, but you've got you to have the truth too. That's stupid. Jesus is the truth. He is grace. He is life. It's all in one package. Grace has eyes. First time, you know this stuff. I'm just kind of reviewing. The first time the word grace appears in Scripture is in Genesis, where it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, because grace has eyes. Because grace is a person, and, and, and that person is Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith. I thought Jesus saved us. He did. Because we could read, we're saved by grace through faith in him, or we could say I'm saved by Jesus through faith in him. And both of those are totally correct because grace is Jesus and Jesus is grace. Can somebody say amen? But man, that some of these people I grew up, well they weaponized forgiveness, and they boxed me in, in some areas that I just could not live in. And a lot of times it made me feel hopeless because I just, I, I, I tried to forgive, but I just wasn't doing good at it, depending on how bad they hurt me. And so religious abusers, man, they'll, you know, they'll use it as a weapon and they'll try to silence victims. They'll try to keep people in a, in a marriage that this, uh, uh, violent marriage. I've seen people try to be kept in a violent, dangerous marriage because they use that weapon of forgiveness to hold it over. They say, well, you're just not letting the Lord, you know, and they'd give all these religious, uh, it's just really crazy. Or they would try to keep people in toxic situations. But they would say, well, if you forgive them, you ain't really forgive them because if you forgive them, y'all would be hanging out again. Where's that at in the scripture? It's just not in there let me say imagine this this is bad but imagine this if you you, you know you go out you bring in a, a person that you trust to and I hope you wouldn't leave them your kids with anybody you didn't trust but you bring in a person you trust to care for your children while you go out and and you got you one of them little cameras that they don't know about and, and you go and you come home and you see review the footage and you see they abused sexually abused your child now as a believer we, we should forgive them right So you don't even you don't even say yes to that. (laughs) We do believe that we're supposed to forgive them, right? How many know it's just going to be really tough to do that? But let's just say time goes by, and you forgive them. Are you going to ever call them to babysit your kids again? Oh well, you didn't really forgive them, did you? See, that's what the church used to do to you. Not this church, but I was raised in that. Well, if you really forgive them, no, no, you ain't never babysitting. You ain't babysitting my dog or cat, and I don't have one. (laughs) You're not babysitting nothing around here. That means you had not forgiven them. No, it means I don't trust you. It's two different things. There's not one verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt trust thy fellow man. Or nobody. The only thing that the Bible says trust in is God. Now, I believe we should trust one another. It sure makes relationship more beneficial if you do, but trust is something that's built between relationships, and that gets us into reconciliation because forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Um, now, Jesus speaks about freedom, and he uses two Greek words in the New Testament and, and, and literally uh, not trying to, to force anything. Jesus In other words, Jesus speaks about forgiveness as being freed from something, not being forced to do something. Now, I told you last Sunday that it's not good if we've hurt somebody and we've wounded them in however and whatever depth to go to that person because now the church has kind of taught us the opposite. But it's not good. I don't think it's a good idea. Let me just say it that way. No rules here, no doctrine, just a thought. But I don't think it's good to go to a person that I've wounded and hurt and so that I will feel better myself about what I did to them and ask them to forgive me for what I did. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It, nowhere does the Bible command you to go ask somebody to forgive you. It's not in there. Now, I know you think it is, but that'll give you something to do this afternoon. And if you find where it is, I promise you next Sunday, I will read that verse and repent. Okay, I'm serious. I don't think it's in there. I'm gonna say it that way. Let's keep some humility here. I, I don't think it's in there. But what, but, because why would not, that not be a good idea? Because I'm asking, I've, only, I've already extracted from them through my hurt to them. I wounded them, I hurt them. And now I'm going to them and I'm asking them to give me a gift. Because forgiveness is always a gift. And that's why I talked to you about it's better to make amends. And we talked about Zacchaeus, remember? The amazing thing with Zacchaeus, that story is Zacchaeus, with no prompting from the Lord, it had to be some maybe inward prompting of the Holy Spirit, I guess. I don't know, but he, Jesus goes to this guy's house, he's a chief tax collector, he's rich, the Bible says, he's extracted and extorted and, uh, his Jewish people at, the, at their expense under the Roman authority, he has lined his pockets, he has made his, 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 you know, self rich, And Jesus and they hate him, they hated tax collectors, and they hated Jewish tax collectors worse than anybody. And so Jesus goes to this guy's house. The scripture says that they're, they're mad with Jesus because he goes and has dinner with sinners. And, and they're all, you know, upset. And Jesus goes and, 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 and just goes in this guy's house and loves him. And we don't see every little detail, I'm sure. But Zacchaeus responds by that encounter with grace and says, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor and to anybody I've extorted from, I restore fourfold. Now listen to me, that's not the law. The law was eye for an eye, right? Eye for an eye. You take an eye, you give an eye. Take a life, you you lose a life. That, That was the law. Zacchaeus, who undoubtedly probably knows the law, he's not responding from a legal standpoint here. And he's not doing it out of coercion. Jesus is not coercing him into doing this. He, out of his own free heart, just responds to grace. And what grace does listen, what grace does, grace does not try to pay back the wrong that's been done. Grace gives forward mercy and gift for the grace that they've encountered. It's, it's off the chart. So Zacchaeus says, I mean, you got to think about this. We're not making this stuff up. He said, I give half of my wealth to the poor. He was rich. The Bible says he was rich. He said, I'm going to get, that's that's pretty extravagant. What's he doing? Is Jesus forcing that? Is Jesus demanding that? The law don't even demand that. He, he, he's, he he's, he's giving forward. He's not paying a debt. He's giving. That's what grace does. We, we talked about amends, and I talked about making, you know, uh, I was, uh, when I was a you know, young, young guy, stole a shirt. And I ha- I've had several stories this week, some even my precious brother over here before I even uh, left the, the sanctuary was telling me about uh, amends that he made and, uh, and, and something he had done similar to, to me. And, and he went off the chart and, 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 and responded with he made amends. And sometimes you can't make amends because the person you hurt is dead. The person you hurt don't want to ever see you, look at you, and it's probably not safe maybe to be around that person, and it may not even be legal for you to be around the person. But you can. Well, what do I do then? There's no demand that you have to make amends, but it's just it's just a it's 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 one of the steps in the twelve step recovery to to make amends where possible. But one thing everybody can do in this room, you can live. I say you can live your amends. I've seen people that's hurt and wounded people, and they're not trying to pay it back. They're just responding like Zacchaeus did. They're giving forward for the graces and mercy has been showed them. But you know, uh, Jesus talked about just setting people free. Just, in other words, let, letting go. And, that's, and literally, what the word that Jesus used for forgiveness and forgive, it literally means this it means to loose, let go, or release. To loose, to let go or release. And, and here is where we, we start seeing the, these words. But let, let me just tell you this. When somebody's offended me or they've sinned against me in some way, I want, to, I want you to be real clear today. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I want you to know what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is not saying, I'm okay. You know, in other words, by what you've done, I, I'm okay. Because I might not be okay. In other words, I, I still could be suffering So uh, it's not saying I'm okay. Forgiveness is not saying you're okay, the person that did it to me, uh, because they may still need to change their sorry ways. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'm not telling you that, hey, it's okay. I mean, I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. I'm not saying that. that. That's not what forgiveness is saying. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. And when I say it's okay, I'm talking about the hurt. Because, see, some people don't want to forgive because they think it's an admission to that what, you, what they did to you was a, is now somehow okay. No, it, it was wrong when they did it, and it's still wrong to do it. I remember when I was a young preacher, and I didn't know what I'm preaching today then. I was still stuck up there in Jesus' words in red. I didn't know words in red were supposed to make you dead. I thought you're supposed to keep them. I thought they carried more oomph than the other words. That's what they told me, you know. And so I'm a young preacher, and boy, I'm preaching the fire out of the words in red. What I'm doing is preaching the law. And I'm binding people up and locking them up. And I remember I preached on forgiveness one time, and I was at a church, and the lady would come up to me afterwards, and she didn't look happy at all on her face. And she came up, and, and she was weeping. But she, it wasn't tears like tears of joy. It was another kind. And she said, I want to talk to you. And she said, I can't do what you preach tonight. And I preached that if you didn't forgive people, then you wasn't forgiven. You cut off. <laughs> what a lie. God forgive me for being so uneducated. But I was doing the best I could at what I knew. And I said, well, you have to. She said, you telling me, and she told me that she was brutally and violently raped by a person she did not know. And it wouldn't have made no difference if she did know. But I'm just simply saying that she didn't know the person. She was attacked. She was violently raped. And she'd never, of course, never had gotten all over that. And she said she could not and would not forgive that person. And as far as she was concerned, he could rot in hell. And then she, she was mad with me because, like, how dare you get up and tell me that I'm locked in to somehow that i got to forgive that guy, and if I don't, God don't forgive me, then she didn't want nothing to do with none of it, and I didn't blame her, really, as I look back on it. But you know what I did? I still kept her shackled. I said, well, the Bible says. <laughs> Matthew 6, Jesus said it. I, you know, you got to, got, got to find some way to forgive the guy. I would have a totally different response if somebody came come up to me today and did that. Are you saying that she shouldn't forgive? No, because I'm telling you, forgiveness, forgiving that person is not for him. It ain't for him, it's for her. I want you to think of it like this. Think of a chain. Let's think of a 10-foot, uh, you know, chain, metal chain. And when you hurt me, you, you got one end, I got the other end, and we hooked together. And every time I see you, every time somebody brings up your name, Every time I think about you, I'm, I'm chained to you. I'm chained to you. And I don't like that feeling, but I'm chained to you because I won't forgive you. Because if I forgive you, it's like I'm letting you off. And you shouldn't be let off because what you did was wrong. And you might not even be repentant. You might not. You, you might be, if I had a chance, I'd do it to you again. I mean, it's hard to forgive folk like that. And then here comes Jesus, 70 times 7, come on now. But what I've learned is forgiveness that Jesus used is letting go. I can't do nothing about the other people, and I can't do that they're not sorry for what they did, and they might do it to me again. But what I can do is I can take my end of the chain, if you can visualize this, and I walk to the cross. And let's just say this is the cross, and I hook my end of the chain to the cross, and I let go of it, and I go on with my life. And what I'm doing, I'm trusting Jesus to deal with them in mercy, the same mercy that he showed to me. And the same grace that he's given to me, I pray that he gives to them, and I go on with my life. That, that's how I deal. That's, how, that's the only way I can, can, can deal with it in my head. And, and, and sometimes I think I hooked it to the cross, and then later on I find out that I went back and got it somewhere along the way. And, and, and here I got to go But And what do I, I keep doing? I just keep going. Every, if it's still burning, if it's still hurting, then I just keep going to the cross. Lord, I offer it to you again. I hope I can leave it here this time. Please help me, Holy Spirit. And I hook it to the cross. I'm going to go on with my life. Can't do nothing about it. I can't make it not happen. It's already happened. Damage been done. Can't unscramble the egg. You know? And, and I, go on, I go on with my life. But forgiveness is letting, is letting go. Now, forgiveness is not saying that you and I, now, we're okay now because we got all the Christian y thing going. We're, we're, we're not, because we might not yet have enough trust to reconcile with one another. Now, reconciliation is not forgiveness. To reconcile, that's between people. But let's go back to that woman that she was attacked by a person that she'd never seen, violently and brutally uh, assaulted. There's nothing to reconcile there because she had no relationship there. And, of course, it would be dangerous and ridiculous to even say that she should reconcile with the guy that raped her. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's no need for reconciliation there. The reconciliation, you know, uh, it, it, it uses the word in most every time except for a couple of times in the Bible. The word is always used about God. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.20, that God was in Christ on the cross. God was in Christ reconciling the sin reconciling the world unto himself not imputing the trespasses against him. Notice it always says that God was reconciling the world to himself. It never says God reconciled himself to the world. And that is huge difference. Why? Because God never separated Himself from the world. God has never separated Himself from you. You've you've only been separated from God by your sin in your head. You're like Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, then they hid from God. God did not hide from them. God didn't. God the, God still went after them like He always done. The only the, the, the separation came in their mind. The Bible said you've you've been you you, you know you've been alienated from God in your minds. And so we thought that, God, that we were separate. There's no verse that said God ever separated you, from you because of your sin. There's no verse that says what preachers say, that you, God's too holy, he can't look at sin. If God can't look at sin, he can't look at nobody in this room. Because we're not sinners, I'm saying. I'm just saying we still sin. And sin is sin any way you slice it. God, it's, like, it's just ridiculous. God loves you. God's made provision, and God's taken away the sin of the world. God's already done it. But if you don't forgive people, you're not going to enjoy that. You're, you're not going to walk in that liberty and that freedom and, and, and that God you know, wants us and intended for us to walk in. So the process of letting go uh, um, is easier if and when. Listen, when you think of how many people that you've offended or hurt, and how many times that you've needed to be forgiven, then if you'll keep that in your mind, then it's easier for you to let go of people that hurt you. In other words, when, I, when, when I'm tempted not to let somebody go this hurt me, then I have to try to remind myself, well, I've hurt people too. Now, I've hurt people, and I, and I didn't intend to. When you have the mic, and you talk, and you can say things, and just people misinterpret what you said or what you meant, and, and you can hurt people, and you didn't even mean to. Uh, and there's times I've hurt people, and I meant to. Okay. Um, but when Jesus said, "If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven," you, you need to read that not as a threat uh, that He'll react. You know, uh, in other words, that, G, that Jesus will re- take away, retract. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That Jesus said on the cross. So you, got, it's, you, you can't undo that, and and so you, you just have to you have to let, let people go, and you do that through faith. Now, I just want to throw in healing in here because I have seen in my life, and I've been doing this a long time, I have seen people that have released people and forgiven people, and it resulted in physical healing in their body. Now, we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that bitterness and all these things that we hold don't affect our life and our health, and it does, and that's been proven medically, and I'm not going to try to get all medical on you. The problem I have with that is there was a time in my life in ministry where I was around some people that had took this and then they turned around like church folk do and they made a rule out of it. I remember I had a lady come from Albany and she preached when my church was, uh, hadn't been going all that long and she was a great person and still is. and I mean, she's gone now off the planet with the Lord. And, and, but but she, she got a hold of some of this truth and she'd seen what I'd seen. Uh, I remember Dr. Jack Deere uh, was at a conference where I was at. I didn't see this happen, but I, I was at a conference later again with him uh, down in Jacksonville when he told the story of what happened when he was up at at, uh, at Charlotte. And this was a lady that worked at the church, and she was in the office, and she had a position, and and uh, and she went through a tremendous uh, trauma. She she got her husband divorced her. Uh, he he wanted a divorce. She was a victim of divorce, and so she worked at the church. She was a staff member. And at this church, uh, they, didn't, they didn't like how that looked. So they let her go. They fired her. And they fired her not because she wasn't a good staff member, or a good secretary, or whatever she did. Administrator, they fired her because her husband divorced her. That hurt her. That hurt her super big time. Because in her heart, she knew that she hadn't done anything She wanted the marriage to work. She didn't want the divorce, but the church didn't like the way it looked or appeared to have a staff member that would divorce, and they had some strong teachings about divorce and all this stuff, and so they let her go. They told her, you know, we're sorry we have to let you go. And the pastor did that, and the pastor administered the news. Well, that woman, as the months and weeks went by, that woman developed severe arthritis in her body, crippling arthritis. And uh, and it went on uh, for years, and she got worse and worse. Dr. Jack Deere said she came up to a meeting and she'd been prayed for many times over the years to be healed and the healing had not come. She came to it for prayer and, 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 and may, maybe through a word of knowledge, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Jack Deere said he just felt impressed to, as he looked at this woman to say to her, is, is, there, is there any forgiveness? Because in other words, he said he prayed for her, didn't really feel much, you know, not that that's necessary all the time. But he just didn't feel any connection there, so he paused and he said, "Father, you know, uh, what, what what is it? What can, is he, you know, Holy Spirit? What is it?" And 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 he said he felt the word unforgiveness, and he just simply said to the woman, "He said, I just say this to you, I offer this to you. I'm not accusing you. I'm not judging you. But is there is there any unforgiveness that you have in your in your heart towards anyone?" And she just said, "Yes, there is." She said, "Is um." I have unforgiveness and wounds and hurt from my former church and my pastor. And she said, in fact, I'm really struggling with it because he's at this conference. I've seen him in the crowd, and I'm really struggling, even to stay here. And Jack just talked to her about, would you just forgive him? You know, just, you think that, you know, you could ask the Holy Spirit to help you just to release the guy, just to forgive and the point of the story is, I don't mean a beam of light came, and you know, but she forgave. The healing instantly started in her body, and within just a few days, the arthritis was gone, according to Dr. Jack Deere. And I heard him give that testimony. And he had met the woman many times afterwards, and it was just a great healing. The problem is, church folks, when they hear something like that, if, they're not, if you're not careful, they'll go make a rule about it. And they'll go run around and they'll tell everybody, anybody here got arthritis? Yeah, I got. Well, you must have unforgiveness then. And then they they bondage people and they lock them. That's stupid. Don't you ever let anybody do that to you. Sometimes the you got arthritis because you got genetics. You, sometimes it's, I mean, there's just a million medical, physiological reasons you could have it. Or there could be some roots to that. There, there could be. And, and it don't hurt to just look around and say, hey. I mean, just because your dash light comes on on your vehicle and says you don't have no oil, that don't necessarily mean you don't have any, but it's a real good idea to pull over and let's wreck the hood and check it out. Might save an engine. You know what I'm saying? So, so just be merciful with yourself and with people. Because I want to tell you something. It's one thing to let other people go, this wound and hurt you. One of the hardest people and the most important people to let go is yourself. Because most of you are too hard on yourself and you dwell on the hurt and the pain and the affliction that you've caused others, or you wish you'd have been a better parent, or you wish you'd have been better this, or better husband, or a better wife, or you wish you could do it over, and, and if you're not careful, you'll live in all that. You can't do nothing about that. You can go on, though, from where you, where you are now. And, you, and, and, and one of the people that you need to unchain and hook it to the cross is yourself. And you've got to forgive yourself. And you got to say, man, I was a lunatic during that time. You know, this prodigal son, it says, when he came to himself. And all that that he had done before then, that wasn't himself. And when you was under the influence of drugs, under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of whatever you was under the influence. And I'm not saying, I told you last Sunday, don't be, don't go and make excuses. Zacchaeus didn't make no excuses. He didn't say, well, the reason I stole from y'all, I was going through a tough time. I had had a breakup in my marriage, and that's why I was. I mean, don't do that. Just clean your, I told you, clean your side of the street and don't worry about it. Just live your life. And I know this is tough. And you can, I hope you hear my heart. I'm not trying to shackle nobody. I'm not trying to throw a burden on you. I'm actually trying to get you to to let it go. Because if, if you let it go, if you're holding on to something, and if you'll just release it, then once you release it, I promise you God has already taken it at the cross. But if you release it, then notice how your hand is now available to receive from the Lord. And you will receive that mercy and grace and healing and whatever. So whatever is going on in your body, I've seen people healed when they just offered and released people and forgave people. I've seen relationships healed. I, you know, I, I wish I could tell some stories, but, but some stories are, you know, people would, you know, it's just too much Information, but I, I mean, I, I've seen, and I'll tell you something. A lot of times, the people that we hurt are not strangers; it's people that we love. Family hurts each other, man, and sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Some, you know, and and I want to tell y'all that, like you know, Rod Parsley used to say way back yonder: "There's a devil loose on the planet." You know what I'm saying? So there's, you know, sometimes you know, absence does not make the heart grow fonder. I, I know you've been told it does. But absence makes the heart grow suspicious. That's what I found out. <laughs> because if you're not communicating with somebody, then you start, well, I wonder why they don't talk to me. I wonder why they don't hit like on my stuff on Facebook. I wonder why they don't, you know, and, and so the, because there's an enemy trying to, you know, throw some grenades in there because relationships are wonderful and powerful. And when you get older, you realize... That what really matters is you know, God and family uh, You know I've always really liked the actor don't know him personally uh, Sylvester Stallone and so we've been watching a little show where he had a, you know, with his wife and family and, and I'm the kind of person when I'm watching the show Jill's over here on the couch I'm sitting in my chair you know, but I'm googling information about the show I just I'm just a nutcase that way but I want to find out the background behind it and what's going on. Well, I was Googling the show, and he's showing him with his wife, and they're all happy, and they got three grown daughters, and they're, they're, you know, whatever. But I'm Googling, well, last August 2022, she filed divorce on him. 26 years of marriage, she filed for divorce. Whoa, what's this about? And I don't mean from a gossiping understanding, because they look mighty happy now, and anybody on the show mentioning nothing about that. But through the show, knowing that, I could hear Stallone saying all these things. And, and even today, today, when I pulled up the news today on Facebook, I read an article that talked about this very thing. And it said, yeah, they filed, she filed for him, you know, on, on him and for divorcing him after 26 years, man. And, and what, it, what it literally says, and you, and you got that from the little seven episodes or whatever the little show, but Sly says this, man, what matters to me is not my career, not doing movies, not doing anything, is being with my wife and my daughters and leaving a legacy for my family. That's what matters. I want to be home. I want to be with them. And he went out and filmed Tulsa, you know, what is it, Oklahoma? I don't know what the name of the show. What was the name of it? Huh? Okay, well, I had it right to start with dinner. So so he uh, he went out there to Tulsa, Oklahoma to film that, that series, you know. But he was locked down, he said, out here six months and away from his family. And he said, I ain't making no more of them unless I can film it in Los Angeles where I can be home. Because it don't matter no more. See, and he said it at my age. He's 77 years old. He's come to realize, I mean, that's all fun and that was great. And I got three houses now that's bigger than him. You know, but, but you, I mean, you ain't carrying it, with you? And I'm not saying nothing wrong with having a big house. But that's what matters to him now is a wife that loves him and three daughters that, that, you know, have a daddy home now. And they're trying to start their lives and be adults and have their careers and stuff like that. But that's what matters what matters to me is, how, you know, my greatest joy is being with my kids, being with my grandkids, watching them. And even like my own kids that, you know, that don't, that's got kids, and it's just hard to explain this stuff to people. And I don't mean this like, you know, it's just, I used to hear my parents, hey, but you know, when you get kids of your own, you'll know, well, I, I, I didn't, and, but now I do. And then I'd hear people say, well, when you get grandkids, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't, but now I do, and now I know. And it's not, and then I know my, my kids look at me, and some of them even comment over you, that it's like they feel in their heart maybe that I love my, you know, their kids, my grandkids more than I love them. And I don't. It's a different kind of love is the only thing I can explain. It, it's not that I, I love them more. I know I'm showing a lot of affection, I mean, and stuff, but, but it's not that I love them more. It's just, and they don't know, and they can't know until they get grandkids of their own. But I'm hope I'm still on the planet when they get some, and then I'll have some great grands, and they can see it's it's just a whole different deal. But in family, when there's hurt and wounds and stuff like that, it's it's tough, and and, and we have to we, you know, there's there, there's nothing you know, and this is what Paul said in Colossians, uh, and I just this last verse I'll read, but Paul. Paul preached a different version of forgiveness than Jesus did. Jesus was preaching the law, and and when he said that, he was was bringing the law up to its pristine level. In other words, Jesus is polishing the mirror because they had let it get pretty dull. They thought they could live it. Jesus said, let me clean it up for y'all. You can't live it. You're not living it, and you're deceived. And so this is what God's standard is, and you don't measure up to it, and that's why I'm here. Because you need a Savior. Paul comes along after the cross because the cross changed everything. In, in Colossians 3.13, Paul says, bear with one another, forgive one another, and then he ends and says, even as Christ forgave you. So, so this is what Paul does. He, he hooks forgiveness. The reason that you should forgive people is because you've been forgiven. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 18. It was just Jesus, to Jesus it's like it's unimaginable that you would hold grudges and unforgiveness against someone after all that Father has forgiven you of. And Jesus gives a parable. He said, there's a guy who owes 10,000 talents. That's a large sum of money. So let's put it in our, our language. So here's a guy that owes 10 million to a, uh, you know, uh, to a guy. And the guy has no means, no, no way of ever paying that kind of debt. And he says, please have mercy on me. And the person he owes the debt to, the king, has mercy and says, you are released. Remission of sins means you hadn't paid for them. I just release you of the debt. I release you of it. And so you're, you're, free, to, you're free to go. And then later on, that same dude that's been forgiven of a $10 million he could not no way pay, then he's got a guy that owes him $1,000. The, and the guy comes to him and says the pray, same prayer, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, in Jesus' parable, that guy grabs him by the throat. It says that in the Bible. He's got him by the throat and says, pay me all, uh, you know, or I'm going to throw you in jail. And he says, I can't pay you. And he said, throw him in jail, you know, and torture him. And and, and then that king heard about it. Somebody went and told on him. So he called him and said, listen here, man, I I forgave you all your debt because you just simply asked me to. Should you not have also given that same forgiveness to this man that owed you this? Um, now some people try to use that as a weapon. Jesus' parable, but what he's saying is, how can we hold unforgiveness without for all? Just give what's been given to you. Now I want to end with this. There's vertical forgiveness. That's where God has forgiven us and taken away the sin of the world. Can I want to make it real clear that happened first? It's the chicken egg thing, right? So. Your, God forgiving you does not originate with you that make you the Savior. It's not because you forgave somebody that now God will forgive you. The horizontal does not precede the vertical. Are you with me? God forgave you and me, and he took away the sin of the world, even when you didn't ask him to, and he don't need your permission to forgive you. And, and God now has forgiven you, and the whole world has been forgiven. That's the good news that we've got to tell them. Now, God's saying, when you when you, when you, you receive that, freely you've received, freely give. You've received that forgiveness, that mercy, that grace. Now, how about being my kid and extending what I gave you? And let's keep this thing going. I forgave you even when you didn't even ask me. Now, forgive. Now, they may ask for forgiveness. I hope they don't. Sometimes that hurts because you're asking for a gift. But... But now you may be put in a situation where someone says, I, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did. And you can tell they, they really mean it. And you, of course we want to say, yeah. I, and I, 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 caught, I, I found myself many times through one of those times. Sometimes I don't even know if I did anything. But I'll say, I, I need to ask you to forgive me as well for anything that I may have, may have done. Or, uh, you know, I just want the relationship to be reconciled. Now, God says when you go to the altar and you're going to offer a gift to God and there you remember that your brother has ought against you, leave there your gift and go and be reconciled to your brother. Now, what does all that mean? It don't mean go ask him to forgive you because it's used in the word reconciliation. And I don't know what it takes because reconciliation is different between different people. God wants you to be reconciled with your spouse. Every now and then, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but husbands and wives might disagree and go at odds on something. And, and, and but you need to be reconciled to one another. I've told you a couple of times in forty-three years of marriage. I'm sorry, baby. I didn't. You know, I shouldn't have said that. You don't want to get no verbal with me because I do this. I'm. I do this. I. I. I can make this a weapon. In other words, I don't mean you sarcastically, but I'm good with my words. I've, I. I can come at you with my words because this is what I do. And so I have, my gift can become really dangerous under the wrong influence. <laughs> and because uh, I can think of brilliant things to say when, when I'm in the zone. <laughs> brilliant, you know what I'm saying? But we, it's honest to God, I mean, but you just say, I'm sorry. And that may be necessary in, to be reconciled to a person. They may be people that you will never reconcile with. There's people that's wounded and hurt me And I don't want to hang out around the grill with them. And I'm still going to go to heaven, like it or not. But I'm not going to hang out with them because I've got people in my life that have hurt me repeatedly so many times that I've just, you know, promised my wife and myself I'm not going to expose you nor myself nor my family to this volatility any longer. I love them, whether they think I do or not. They would throw that weaponization of forgiveness and say, well, he don't want nothing to do with us. He don't know. well, you you just gonna have to do what you do and write your letter like you see it. I don't want to hang out with you because you are like nitroglycerin. I don't never know when I'm gonna shake you wrong, you're gonna blow up. So I can I'm too old and too ugly to deal with all that. I ain't gonna deal with your drama. I'm not gonna get caught up in your whirlwinds no more. And I love you. If you need me, I would be the first to roll to your house. Ten eighteen. that means up with lights and sirens. You know what I'm saying? I'd be going, I'd, I'd come help you. I really would. You just have to wait and see, call me and see if I will. I would come and help you because I, w- I do love you. I love you in Christ. And I don't think about you every day. And I don't, you know, I know you think you're important. I don't think about you every day. I don't, you ain't on my mirror. You ain't on my refrigerator nor the dash of my car. I don't think about you every day. But, but I don't want to hang out with you even though we can I'm just not going to expose myself to that storm no more. I just ain't going to do it. And if that makes me a non-Christian, then we'll have to wait till the rapture and see if I'm flying with you flying. Because I'm going to be flying right on. <laughs> I'll be like, whoa, you didn't think I was making it, did you? Whoa. I'm. It's ridiculous. Forgive. Because when you do, you're just hooking the chain. You've been hooked to these people, chained to them. And I want you to be past the point. And I know it's a struggle. But just be, you know, I had a lady come up to me last Sunday. You could be here, darling. And I won't identify you if you are, and I probably couldn't if I tried. But you came up and you expressed. There so many people came up to me talking about different hurts they've had. And I told you a thing I had. I had a hurt. And sometimes these hurts are so deep, it's like an onion. And, and I had God show me that energy one time because I'm a simple guy and I love pictures. And I had a guy in ministry that was my overseer. He he wanted to send me to Uvalda, Georgia to be a pastor. He, My wife knows this. I make it sh- short. He called me on Friday said, I want you to be there Sunday morning as the pastor of that church. Well, number one, I hadn't asked to be no pastor nowhere. But I was preaching a lot, and so they was wanting to pull me off this, you know, and put me in a senior position. And, um, and I told the guy, I said, listen, uh, Brother overseer, I've never even been to Uvalda. Where's Uvalda? He said, well, it's outside of Vidalia. Well, I used to live in Vidalia, but I've never been to Uvalda. I said, let me ask you this. Can I just go up Sunday morning and preach for the people and meet the people and give me time to pray and all about it? And this is what his response was. No, you can't do that. You know what? I told my wife that you were not emotionally ready to pastor. You know what? You love your job more than you love God. You're going to never quit your job as the chief of the ambulance service. You're going to always be there, and you're going to put that job over the kingdom of God and, and what God wants you to do. And, and, and I want to tell you something, young man. I'll never offer you a church again as long as I'm an overseer. Bloop. He hung the phone up. And that's, that happened to me. Now, while I'm on the phone, she's standing there because she knows I've got to call me over there. And so tears start running down my face because he, he's trimming my limbs. Now, this is the man that I honored, esteemed, and I looked to 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 submit to. supposed to be somebody that cares for me as a human, and he tore me up and hung up on me. What I hurt. You always hurt worse by people that you respect. Teachers, pastors, people that you look up to, that you trust, parents. They're supposed to care for you, not hurt you. They're supposed to care for me, not abuse me. Well, those wounds are tough. He hung up on me, and then my hurt, uh, I got to do this quick, but my hurt went from crying, crying, and days go by and weeks, and then it went to, I'm angry now. And I'm fighting, the, I'm fighting, the, I want to ride up there to his headquarters, and I want to roll on the carpet with him, with his head right there, <laughs> with me it tapping on that forehead. I had a brother in of my office one time said he got in a fight with his father in law, and he came to confess it and all to me. He said, I got in a fight with my father in law and all that. And he was real country and all. He's a great guy I went to school with. Him. But he said, now, Brother Dale, I had to pepper his head. <laughs> oh, man, I've had some good times in my office. I'll never forget that. I just, I, even though he was serious and all, he broke up. But when he said, Brother Dale, I had to pepper his head, I, just started, I started laughing. I said, Man, I ain't never heard that one. He said, Yeah, I had to pepper his head. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so I want to go pepper that guy's head, and then I started asking the Lord, you know, f- for me to forgive him, and I spent weeks and weeks and weeks praying, and I declared that I was free in my own heart, and then later on, another guy that worked in the headquarters took me to lunch, and he said, "I heard about what happened with the overseer and all, and I just want to uh, talk to you about it, just make sure you're good and all." And uh, so I started talking to him about it, and I was replaying the thing because I'm the victim. I'm the one that got wounded. He's guilty. He might outray me, but he hurt me. So I'm talking, and, and it's like, and, and well, here comes the poison. And I, you don't think it's weird, but it, was, it, it seemed to me like that I beamed out my body, and I was me and Jesus was over here, and I was sitting there talking to that, guy, that other preacher about that situation, and the Lord's like, I thought you said you forgave him. And that's all the Lord said. He did say, I thought you said you forgave him. He didn't say that in a condemning way to me or to make me feel guilt and shame and that's all he said And when i got home that day i went straight to a prayer place of prayer and i said i'm scared i really did i was young young minister i said i'm scared because i thought i had forgiven him and i didn't and i was still laboring under that if you don't forgive me and god don't forgive you deal that that was a lie and i didn't know it and 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 i was laboring under that and i was there and i said god i'm scared because I've done my best to loose that guy from me and forgive him. And now I realize I hadn't, and I'm in trouble. And as soon as I said that, I saw a vision of an onion, big old onion. The onion gets close, makes you cry, makes you weep, irritate. And I saw every t- I heard my prayers over these, you know, the months. Father, I, I, I release him, I, fr- I forgive him, forgive him, you know, I forgive him what he's done. And I saw a hand just go in there and start peeling layers, I started peeling layers. And that onion, when it started out, was huge, and now it was pretty small, like a little baseball. And the Lord said, "Keep with it, son, because every time you bring that man before me, I peel layers of that hurt and that wound from you. Just stay with it, and I want to promise you that I went and stayed with it. And there, there's no more onion there. The only reason I'm telling you is trying to help you. There's no more onion. There's no more pain." Uh, and, and, and I realized that man didn't control my life, my destiny, or where i would preach it. And best I can tell, I did quit my chief's job. And best I can tell, I am pastoring. And I've been doing it for 43 years for the Lord. <laughs> and, and, and so, so, but see, that's what hurts so bad is he accused me of what I knew was not true in my heart. And he said in judgment on me. But my heart was pure. And I meant, and I would have went to you, Valda, if I could have just heard Papa say, go, son. If I could have just heard him say, "Go and I'll be with you, boy," I'd have packed up and went to Uvala. I would have, but, but anyway, stand with me now. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and I want to ask y'all to do something that I don't. I don't want to, I can't even remember the last time I did. And you, and, and so they say, "What, no visitors, right?" That's wonderful. We, but we, we've been months and always have visitors. What, what in the world going on? Anyway, I bet you there's some in here you just didn't raise your hand. Uh, but I want to ask everybody in here, just, I, I promise it'd be real quick, would you just all come in and just stand at the front? Everybody. Because see, everybody needs to come to the altar for this. One. I'm going to do this real quick, and you can, go, you, can go, you can go beat the folks to the buffet. You can outrun them, okay? Come, come on, if you will. I know I'm asking, I hope this don't make you mad and you ain't going to come back because the preacher asked you to come down front. But I think it's important. I wouldn't do it, I promise you. Come on. Just fill in where you can. Get close, cause I want to start slinging water on you with this. Bo- <laughs> Just, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm I'm horrible, and I'm not getting any better the older I get. I'm not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love you, Howard. Uh, listen, we all in the order. Now I'm, I'm really serious here. We, I, if you're suffering somewhere in your body. I, I remember when that lady came, she had a minister thing, and she had a, even charts on and, and, it, and it's okay. And, boy, we sucked it up. But I noticed as months went by after her leaving, and it, it wasn't because she's, you know, but people felt kind of bondage because they were like, well, you know, I've got bowel problem. That means I've got resentment, and then they would, i got arthritis, so I've got unforgiveness, and then I'm having, you know, and, and so she would have symptoms or problems and then hook it to a spiritual root, it could be that. I, I, I'm just simply saying it could be like that lady. I remember when I was a young boy, I don't know if y'all remember, we went to a holiness church. I remember a few times, and I, I saw it in the Pentecostal church later, uh, where there'd be sometimes on a Sunday, and, and it seemed like churches, people were closer to one another back then, and we didn't have all these iPads, iPhone, Facebooks, and all that stuff, and and I, yeah, I'm right there with you. But anyway, we, so sometimes I would see where the worship team would be worshiping or the choir singing, whatever. In back those days, it was choir, and uh, and I'd see like a person get up, and they would just be tears, and they'd go over to somewhere in the church, and they would hug somebody, and then and that would spur somebody else to get up, and the next thing you know, the whole church was hugging them, and people was crying, and they'd call it a reconciliation service that sprung out there. And I don't know, what something the Holy Spirit would do and people just started loving on one another and, and people that maybe would have grudges or misunderstandings or they would just go and, you, and, and, and I remember being, I want to say like three of those in my life and you could feel so much love and every time the horn blows, God's saying amen because uh, that's a good thing. And it's like, be reconciled. If you go to Southland, you know that's what that means. But it's like, oh man, just be reconciled. You know, God wants his church family to love one another, to be reconciled. I'll tell you one thing about this church: we love each other. Now, some people don't come here because they don't necessarily—they may not come here because they don't love me. I can't imagine that. Can you imagine that? <laughs> who wouldn't love me? Or they don't come here because I've had people con- conveyed to other people who conveyed to me. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but they people don't come here because we're too diverse. Can you imagine that? Where are they going? Have you not read what heaven's, heaven's going to be really diverse? I read in Revelation where it said that we're going to all be around the throne and it says every kindred, nation, and tongue will be around the throne. And nation is the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnicity. And so if you black here, you're going to be black there. <laughs> if I'm Cherokee mix and whatever I am, I'm going to be that there. I'm going to be able to look and say, hey, Pastor Key, what's happening? We made it, glory to God. <laughs> I mean, you, you're going to be, and then we're going to know as we're known. That's what it says. Because God, God's behind this. You ain't some color cause of the equator. That's all the spirit of stupid. It's just stupid. But I don't understand that. And that's one of the greatest hurts that I have pastoring this church. Because this has always been my heart, my dream. This is the way it was at Cornerstone, wasn't it, Pastor Because I prayed for this. I fought for this. I, I, I didn't wait for a black community to come to my church. I went to, I went to the black community. You know, I, because I've wanted this. And I know I'm in the south, deep south, dirty south. I know I'm where I'm at. And it's harder to chisel one of these out in the deep south than it is to do it in some other city like New York or Seattle. or something. It's, it's a little bit tougher here, I believe. I've been told it is. And, and I've been told that by Apostle Kelly uh, from Fort Worth, Texas, and different people. And he's an apostle, over, apostle all over the world. And he says this is, you know, and, 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 and so, it's, anyway. So to me, this is a plus. It's a plus. But, we, but I, want, I do want you sincerely to invite people to come. People need to hear this message. And not only do they need to hear it, but when, when somebody walks in this church and they see every nation, they see, they see Hispanic and African-American and, and white and Latino and all, all the different expressions. <clears throat> and, and they see, Sammy, Sammy, come up here. Come here, Sammy. And your, your precious wife, come darling with him because he's nothing without you. <clears throat> come up here with me. In a minute, you're going to pray our benedictory prayer over this as we leave here. And if you still remember some of the home language, pray some of it in that language. And then you can come behind it in English. Would you do that for me? You know, I asked you to do that before and you've done it. Because he ain't from Valdosta. <laughs> he can he can tell you exactly where he's from. But um. I'm asking you to just close your eyes for a moment and think about any kind of hurt or wound where you've been hurt, betrayed, somebody's hurt you, whether they meant to or not, but you, the result was you've been hurt. And I'm asking you today in the name of Jesus to see you holding your end of the chain and I'm and walking to the cross. And the reason I say the cross, because that's where the great exchange occurs And not because you look up and see Jesus hanging, suffering, helpless. But you see him standing in front of the cross, absolutely victorious, resurrected. And I'm asking you to take your end of the chain, your end of the hurt. Regardless of what the other people do, they could be dead, they could be alive, they could be sorrowful, they could be unsorrowful what they did. But I'm asking you to hook your end of the chain to the cross and leave it there today. I'm asking you to release them. Thereby releasing yourself. And declare you to walk in that liberty and freedom that Jesus intended for you to walk in. So Father God, in Jesus' name, we release those that have hurt us. We just give it to you, Father. We can't fix it, we can't undo it. You see the pain and you entered into our suffering. And you are a co-sufferer along with us in our pain. And you was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was placed upon you. And by your stripes, we were healed. So in Jesus' name, we release that wound, that pain, that hurt. I declare if there is a spiritual root to the suffering in their physical bodies, I pray, Papa, that they be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I pray healing would begin to flow into their bodies and all the pain, the trauma, whatever physical ailment it is in their bodies that would be healed and they would be better tomorrow than they are today, and they would be better the next day than they were yesterday and tomorrow. I pray healing. I pray for reconciliation where possible. I pray that you would reconcile families, husbands and wives, moms and dads and childrens. I pray reconciliation over this congregation and over our community. In Jesus' name, Sammy, pray
1: for us. Say whatever you want to say, tell them where you're from. <coughs> I'm from Nigeria, originally from Nigeria, Africa, and I've been here for about 17 years now. And I've been up north in Minnesota. I've lived in uh, Florida. I've lived in uh, New York for a short while, but I call here home. Not Georgia, but I call Valdosta home, because of this church. And um, I always enjoy uh, Apostle Dell's preaching, because it's what the Lord has laid in my own heart. Most of the things about this racial discrimination and all of those nonsense we see around, I hear people say they go to white church. I've asked my group, my small group, Jennifer will tell you, I've asked several times, where is it written in the Bible that there is white church, black church, Hispanic church, what, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know the whole of the Bible. I've not read the whole of the Bible, but I've never seen anything like that, and nobody told me anything like that. All I heard is that in Christ Jesus, there's no more Jews, no more uh, Gentile, no more free, no more slave. You know, we are all one in Christ Jesus, and and that's what I hear Apostle Dale preach every Sunday directly or indirectly. He preaches love, and that's what we are here for. I don't look at you as a black man, white man, green man, yellow man, purple man, whatever man. I look at you as God's man. Amen. And that applies to the women, too. I love everybody with my whole heart, not because of your skin color, but because of your heart color, and your heart color is Christ Jesus. Amen. Anything more than that, you'll miss it. So I will pray for all of us here. Father, Lord Jesus Christ, in your name, we thank you as we are here together hearing this message from Sunday to Sunday, even over the phone on internet. Father, we thank you for such a blessing you have put here in this church, in this town, Saying the truth, preaching the truth, Father, we thank you for this family Grace Point Church, this local assembly. Father, we thank you for all that we hear, all that we do here is to love as you have commanded us, to love one another as you have loved us. So by this, people will know that we are your disciples and so shall it be with every one of us, not only in this church community, but also... Outside of the church, that we represent you for who you are, who you have called us to be. You chose us, oh God, you chose us to be your ambassadors. So shall it be wherever we go in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you as we live here. We are learning and we continue to learn, and that we will apply in our Everyday life and living in the name of Jesus Christ. Remembering that we are your ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ, and we are chosen generation to represent your kingdom on earth yes. as we are alive in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you once again for this love that we share here, that will not end in this building, but will be carried. Along with us to wherever we are, wherever we go. In Christ Jesus' name, it's well with us. We agree, Amen.
0: Amen. 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 God bless you. Love your family. You dismissed. We love you.